Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. If you'd like to follow along um, in the Bibles in the seats, it'll be on page 1092. We'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. All right, so I'm excited to to be able to to speak this morning. Uh, When Mike asked me to speak, I was excited um, because of what we're talking about this morning. Um, And I also feel like I'm just kind of on cloud nine. Um, And the reason for that is that we just came from our uh, annual retreat for high school and young adults, which is called Lord's Land. And... um, C.S. Lewis, if you've read, he's got a book called The Great Divorce, where it's basically a group of people from, that are living in kind of a hell-like existence that take a bus tour up into heaven. And they think that the world they are coming from is the real world, the real reality. And then they get up into heaven, and they realize that it is really real. <laughs> it is too real for them. It says that C.S. Lewis writes, the grass is too hard for them. Uh, everything is too vivid and too bright. Um, and I realized when I was up at Lord's Land this, uh, just this last weekend that that's what Lord's Land feels like for me. It's a little bit more real. It feels a little bit more real. The grass is a little bit greener. The sky is a little bit bluer. The cabins there are a little more cabiny than normal. Um, and all of it just has this, puts us into this place of worship that's really amazing. Um, Again, this is for a high school and young adults. It's in Mendocino. We can put, we're going to put some pictures up here on the screen. Um, this is heading out to Mendocino. If you've never been to Mendocino and you live in California, you need to go there very soon. It's, I believe it's one of the most beautiful spots on earth. Um, we stay at a place called the Lord's Land, hence the name of the retreat. Um, and it's actually an old hippie commune. This is pictures from it here. Turned Christian Retreat Center. And this is where Stephanie and I were, got married too, 13 years ago. Too. Special in many ways. Um, it really looks like something out of Lord of the Rings. Uh, the buildings are all different, and they look like little sh- it's like buildings from the Shire, if you're a L-O-T-R nerd. Um, we spent, which Kent is, by the way, big time over here. We spent three nights and four days there. It's just really become a special time for us as a group every year. We look forward to it so much. Um, we're going to play a video here right now just to get a taste of uh, what it looks and, and feels like and Sounds like. I'm 
right. Yes. So that's just one of the goofier moments we have. I love that. I love watching Kenyon uh, Middleton and Aaron Bell getting down in that video. Um, it's just, it's become a unique time for us. It's not your typical youth retreat, which is typically overscheduled and really off the wall and crazy. Um, but it's really one where we try to incorporate um, a lot of things of great substance, like rich teaching. Dave Holcomb, my former youth pastor, came and spoke. He did, he did amazing. I mean, it was like, it's like chicken soup for my soul, listening to him talk. It takes me back. We talked about the Lord's Prayer, and I had so many students tell me afterwards that listening to Dave teach about the Lord's Prayer really brought it to life to them in new ways, um, which was really great. If, if that's all we did this weekend, that's amazing. Um, we also try to give our students time for spiritual practice while we're up there, to go out and practice the things that we are learning and talking about there. And we had some pretty, pretty darn significant encounters with God and His Spirit this last weekend. And I thought it was important that we share with you um, about that more. And to that end, I know it's, it's interview Sunday is what we'll call this. Um, we're going to bring up a couple people. Um, to share. First is uh, Jacob Lauterbach, a senior from our, our youth group. Where's Jacob? There he is over here. Okay, let's give him. By the way, Jacob is entering, uh, he's going to become a Navy man in July, which is awesome. Um, and one of our staff members here, I thought it would be great to get a leader's perspective, Cody Renfro. Let's give it up for her. Check, check. I don't need this. Okay, so first question, guys. Um, Jacob, you first. Um, tell us, share with us something that, uh, that you really learned, that you feel like God put, really put on your heart this weekend, um, that you want to bring home, um, that you think will come home with you, I guess would be another way of saying that. Yeah. Um, well, the main thing for me, really, it didn't necessarily happen at Lord's Land. It actually happened on the ride um, back home. Um, all of us kids, I was in uh, Randy's car. I'm not sure if Randy's here today. Unfortunately, I don't think he is. But um, uh, we were all talking about how, oh, Randy, what if, we just, what if we just turned around? What if we just went back unofficially, spent one more night in Lord's Land? Um, because for all of us kids, it was just like this amazing experience and this amazing connection. And um, Randy was kind of like, well, I haven't come off the mountain yet. You know, I have not, I have not gone down from Lord's land yet. And if, when we go home, God is not just going to be in Lord's land. He, he is in, he's wherever you look for him. He's not just at church. He's at home. He's at work and he's at school. He's everywhere. Um, and that's probably the main thing that I, I'm going to take home is, is that. Awesome. Cody, what about you? Um, I think one of the big things for me was um, I grew up in a primarily Catholic background. So the Lord's Prayer was just all the time. And it got to the point where it didn't really have much meaning anymore. So to be able to go through it with Dave, going line by line, and at times word by word, I were, okay, R, let's break it down. <laughs> Father. Let's, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Not the letter R, <laughs> the word no, R. Yes, yeah. um, and so it, um, it helped me appreciate the depth of the Lord's Prayer, also looking at um, the cultural context at the time as well. Um, and, and Dave suggested that we spend the next month, um, first thing in the morning, um, hit the floor and, and hit your needs and 
say the Lord's Prayer and then last thing you do before you go to bed. Um, so I've been working through that and I've been going through um, uh, Dallas Willard's version of the Lord's Prayer because I think some of those, it puts some of the words on it um, that to me a little bit more accurately speaks to what we talked about over the weekend than some of the traditional language. So. Awesome. Um, Cody, I'll stick with you. Um, what do you want to, you know, it's, it's, you've been doing this for a couple, few years now with us at Lord's Day. Yeah, this yeah. is my third trip. And it's difficult for us to come because we want to share it with everyone else. In fact, if we could join all you guys up and just get a giant bus mm-hmm. and, and ride up there so you guys could experience it, we would. So can you share with them, what do you want them to know about our experience up there, about what you see in the students and what, what we experience up there? Yeah, yeah one of... Um, one of the biggest things that comes to mind is, again, this is my third trip, and every time I so look forward to our worship time together. Um, we have a night where we share communion, and then we just have an extended period of, of worship until basically the people playing guitars can't anymore, and they tell us it's time to stop. Um, and it's it's so incredible. There's um, Guys, our young people are amazing. They are they. The way they inspire me and encourage me, um, they get up and are constantly, I, I actually got Jacob, I want to talk to you tonight at youth group because I wanted to pray for Jacob that during that time and I couldn't because every time I'm like, okay, now he was getting up and praying for somebody else or somebody was coming and praying for him. Um, their, their heart for each other, their willingness to share that, their courage to follow the Spirit's leading, to go pray with somebody, to put their arm around someone, their vulnerability to cry. There's not a dry eye. Everybody's bawling. It's just we went through a whole box of tissues. Um, and it's one of our students said this weekend, like, I've never understood what it meant to feel God's presence, and I get it now. And um, it just it's a, it's a love fest between us and between us and God, and it's a, a beautiful time. And with that, I... I walk away with that with two things. One, that um, our, our young people are so incredible, and they have so much to teach us, and we really need to start to continue to open up more space for them and empower them to step into that because we're only going to benefit. Um, and, and two, I've been thinking all week, how do we bring more of Lord's Land home? And um, I've been volunteering with the youth. Um, since the beginning of the school year, and I look forward to worship every Sunday night, and I'm trying to think, like, why? What is, what's different about it than Sunday morning? And because I think there's a little bit of Lord's Land in the room. And, um, and I've been thinking, how do, how do we bring more of that back to our greater community? And I don't know what that answer is, but I'm willing to wrestle with that. Jacob, how about you? What do you, um, what do you bring in home and want to become more a part of your life? Well, uh, yeah. Um, well, Dave Holcomb is just an amazing. He's he's so good at um, just speaking in um, his sermons about the the Lord's Prayer was just amazing. But Dave, he stressed this idea that everything Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, everything he told his disciples was completely intentional, and every word, um, every phrase was completely intentional, and. Um, uh, the first thing that's in the Lord's Prayer is our Father. This idea of we're not praying this prayer alone. We're praying it together um, in a community. It's not give me, me my bread, not forgive my sins. It's forgive our sins. And it's give us 
our bread. We are praying this together, and we are praying this for the community, um, not just ourselves. And so that's the main thing that I want to bring back and um, really focus on, not just myself, but the whole community. Awesome. Thanks, See what guys. I'm talking about? Right? <laughs> Let's give these guys a round of applause. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Cody mentioned we had a worship night up there, and, and it, really, it, it really could go on and on. In fact, the, reason, the only reason it stopped is because we just, again, Henway and Brandon couldn't play anymore, and, and we, it was time to go to bed. <laughs> so literally, I had to stop it. it. It could have gone on for quite some time. Um, at the beginning of that night, we just encouraged people. You know, it was optional, too. We said, you guys can stay here. You can go back to your cabins. We said, but if you stay here, we just want to challenge you. If you want to get on your knees during this time, if you want to stay sit, seated and, and worship, um, but we also encourage you to go across the circle and go pray for someone. Um, maybe if you've got some encouraging words for someone, go share that with someone. And I got to say, as a youth pastor, it was amazing for me to witness what was happening in the room. I felt like I told Dave Holcomb, I felt like it was a somebody had fizzed up a Seven Up bottle and then took off the cap. I mean. Um, we, I was watching and witnessing students being fully present to God and his spirit. But not only that, they were taking the initiative to care for each other in the moment. Um, like Cody said, Cody was funny because when we started this and I started giving instructions for the night, she literally just threw a Kleenex box out in the middle uh, in anticipation. But I saw students who normally would never get up and go and pray for someone, or who'd normally never get up and go put their arm around someone and, and encourage them. They were doing it, and, and it wasn't a chore for them. It wasn't, they weren't even nervous about it. What was happening was they were being loved on and experiencing God through that love. And then it was just naturally flowing out of them. Um, and they wanted to share that with other people. It was in a community experience of the Holy Spirit together and just freely and naturally letting it flow. And this is really, as we talk about uh, this morning about the future of our church and looking forward, this is really the role of the church is to meet together, to experience fellowship together, to learn and grow um, teach each other, challenge each other, interact with what God's doing in his spirit, and then turn around and letting it flow out to other people. We want it to flow from our church into the world around us. And our world desperately needs this. Uh, it's akin to turning on sprinklers in the dead of Death Valley, or uh, like a caravan in a desert finding a, an oasis after many, many days without water. Today we're talking about the journey beyond for Oak Hills. We're, of course, in the middle of our, um, our next giving campaign, and today we, we're looking forward beyond to what lies in front of us as a church, to infinity and beyond, if you will, um, not to be confused with the other giving campaign, which was to the modulars and beyond. Um, this year I've had the awesome opportunity to be part um, of what's called Blue Ocean Group, um, and actually Mike, who's up here speaking, is a part of it, and... and um, we get to we get to do our second conference starting tomorrow up in Auburn, which I'm really excited about. But this is a group that includes pastors and leaders and regional regional ministers from across the NAB, from across the country, from Canada or Canadia, as I like to say. Um, these are leaders. The the goal of this is for leaders to take part on this uh, this journey of Blue Ocean to explore what it means to have a renewed theological vision of the church on mission. Um, basically. In layman's terms, we're looking, how do we live out this missional call from God through our churches and in our communities? 
The first meeting we had was in October. It was in Vancouver, in Vancouver, British Columbia. It was awesome. We talked a lot about what the gospel is, what the good news about the kingdom is, how we go about living in God's kingdom in our churches and then in our communities. And in one of the sessions, uh, Kent Carlson, our very own Kent Carlson, um, by the way, Kent and Lisa Schmidt are, are leaders in this and do an amazing job. And Kent is actually the, um, the co-director of this, this Blue Ocean group. And Kent got up and he spoke about all of these things, about what the kingdom is, what it, what it means to live in the kingdom, what the good news of the gospel is. Um, but he spoke about it through the lens of our history. So he basically told the story of Oak Hills, how years ago we transitioned from an attractional model church it was called a seeker church. And we transitioned to a church that sought to move away from the damaging effects of, of consumerism that's in our culture. Um, and we sought to be a church that is spiritually formed in the kingdom. And I have to say, so I was a part of Oak Hills when this change happened many years ago. Um, I was a young guy. I was 20-ish. Uh, my dad was actually a part of the, uh, the elder board. When they went up and did the, the now infamous Donner Party, where they had a very significant encounter with God, and, and it was really the, one of the big turning points for the big change that we made as a church. I've heard this story repeated many, many times. Some of you here have heard it many, many times. Um, and to be honest, if I'm just being frank, I'm Travis, but if I'm being frank, I just say, I'm tired of the story. I mean, it, I've heard it enough. We don't need to keep saying it. You know, I'm ready to move on from that. That's our history, and I want to move on. And maybe you feel that way, too. But i got to be honest, too, in saying that when I heard Kent start telling our story again in this room, it was incredible. <laughs> it was exciting for me. It took me back to the first time I heard about how we were going to change as our church. I was actually, ironically, driving to Lord's Land with my sister. I was 21. And I remember where we were. We were driving around Clear Lake. And the reason why that's vivid is because it was such an impactful conversation for me. The vision she was laying out of where we were headed as a church was incredibly exciting. And I felt like she was saying things, that words that were in my soul that hadn't been spoken yet. And I said, yes, I want that. I want to be a part of that. And so being in this room with Kent and all these people from Blue Ocean in October in Vancouver, it took me back to that time. I heard it afresh again. And I loved being in a room where people were so incredibly motivated and excited about our story as a church. By a church seeking to live out the fullness of the gospel. The gospel being that the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. And by virtue of Jesus' life and death, we can now live in this kingdom. I found myself, as Kent was telling it, swept up in it. Um, not in a gross, we're awesome kind of way. Um, but really, just in, I was just proud of us. Proud of the journey that we have gone through as a church because it it hasn't always been easy proud of who we are i was so proud of who how how god has shaped us what he's done through us um and it so motivated me that i basically scrapped my plans for a youth group this year and centered centered it all around this because i realized i wanted the students first of all to know our story as a church because a lot of this story predates them they weren't even born which makes me feel really old um, but it does predate them. And I want them to know the history. I wanted them to know the history of their church. And then we've moved on from then. That was just the foundation to move on. What is this kingdom of God that we talk about? What is it? What did Jesus... Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. And what did he say about it? And right now we're currently talking about the Sermon on the Mount, which was a brilliant description of what life looks like in the kingdom. And we're having a, we're having a blast with it. 
I've realized in this process that I want the students to realize that we need a vision. A vision is crucial. We need a vision of what life looks like in the kingdom because it's awesome, in case you didn't know. Anything is possible in the kingdom. Joy, healing, fellowship, adventure that we can find living in, in Jesus' kingdom is off the charts. And the good news that it is at hand. We can live in it now. Also, while we were in Vancouver, we met at a local church called Grandview Calvary Baptist Church. I was super impressed by this church. And I've told many of you about it, so I just wanted to talk to as many people as I could when I came home. In many ways, this church expanded my vision of what the big church, big C church can do and little C, our church can do. Here are some things about them that, that really made my jaw hit the floor. Number one, their involvement. One of their pastors at one point said they have an 80 or 90 percent service involvement from the church. 80 or 90 percent of the people that come to their church are involved in ministries. And I'm like, what? Really? My jaw hit the floor. Um, their ministries, uh, the, the outreach they do to their community was another thing that was, a, that was incredible. Um, I'm just going to list a few here. They've got in their basement, they've got a, um, a ceramic and pottery business that they've started. Um, and they've trained people in this, but they've got some talented artists down there. And they're, they're employing people through this process. Again, it's right in their basement. And they've created this line of pottery that is really well respected, uh, that has become successful in the Vancouver area. Just an awesome thing to see. Um, they've got a, a ministry that reaches out to refugee families who are new to the Vancouver area. They had an apartment complex they took us to. that They, they built an entire apartment complex. Um, that people that have mental health issues can live in, and in the bo- whole bottom floor of it is communal living, and then everyone ups- upstairs has their own room. And what a cool vision of the kingdom that was. Um, they've got a laundry program. They've got a, a, a ministry for single mo- helping single mothers. It goes on and on and on. What's cool also is that several of these ministries have spun off of the church and become nonprofits, become legal entities of their own. Also, one thing that really blew me away about them is their giving again this is another thing where i had to do a double take i think everyone had to do a double take one of their pastors said that vancouver is just expensive to live in it's hard to live in and so over time they have learned to pool their money together as a church so that people could make ends meet there <laughs> i well, what that's straight out of acts too what we just read in the verse and 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 to the point this is going to sound weird but i'm okay with that because it was weird when I heard it. He said that uh, people who are, more, are better off in their congregation, who are more wealthy, will hesitate from buying more expensive items for themselves personally. Because they don't want to have to go through the hassle of justifying it to this church. Because that's what they've been doing is helping each other out. I said, what? Are you kidding me? So awesome. Um, but it's unfair for us, I think. It's, uh, just, it's not, it doesn't work for us to do a straight comparison between them. And us at Oak Hills. Because in many ways, it's an apples and oranges comparison. They're an urban church with a body that mostly lives in the immediate surrounding neighborhoods. We are different. We are a suburban commuter church. We get here not by walking. Does anyone get here by walking? No? Okay. Yes, okay, good. Oh, yes, okay. Some, a few of us get here by walking. We should all honk at those people, by the way. Um, but most of us, we get here by car, um, and that's because we live, we don't live so close, most of us. Some of us do, um, but the rest of us, um, we live in surrounding 
uh, communities. Um, and I also think, to be fair, I think we could, you know, we've got, I got this, room, this, this list of ministries that this church has in Vancouver. I think we could make a pretty darn impressive list of ministries that we've done and things that we have sought to do in our community and in our surrounding communities. So this is not to go, they're awesome and we stink, not at all. But I, what I want us to take from this church, what has so inspired me, is their creativity and their courage. I think it's easy to lack serious creativity for what God can do. It's just human nature for us to, to go short on that. And God is the creative creator of creativity. We often do so because I think we're entrenched in a culture that is all about being practical. It's all about practicality. We're locked up in these chains of practicality. We think far, far too small and far too just boring. Often we don't realize that even when we take little steps of faith, that God is going to take those little steps and draw us deeper into his creativity. And he's going to show us what he can do. What we can also take from this church is how they sought to serve their community in such amazing ways. They are pouring themselves out and loving on people in really tangible, practical ways. And we can do this too. And in many ways, we're already doing this. We've been headed in this direction for several years, which is exciting. Take, for example, our building. Have you ever wondered why we have such a big building? I don't know if it still is, but at one point, this building had the biggest capacity of seating for any building in Folsom. Well, this building was built at a different time for us as a church. It was built when we were an attractional model. We were 15 to 1,800 people and growing very quickly when this was built. And in fact, and if you didn't know this, this is phase one of three, I believe. I don't know where Rick is, but this is phase one of three. That's why this stage is actually in the corner. Have you ever wondered why it's in the corner? I think this wall was going to come down at some point. Yeah, Dave knows. Dave Harbour's shaking his head. Yeah, the stage, I think, was going to go over there, and this room was going to get even bigger. This building, in fact, reflects values that are no longer true of who we are. In case you haven't noticed, also, we don't use all of the space in this building for a regular Sunday service. There's a lot of space back there. But I'm proud of what we're doing with such a big building and the rest of our facilities. Years ago, we decided we want to offer these up more. We wanted more groups to come in from our community and use them, to, um, and to use these incredible resources that God has given us. Now we have tons of outside groups that use our building on a regular basis. Support groups, educational organizations, other churches, and more, they all use our buildings. And, I don't know if you knew this, but we have a, this awesome support team for some groups that come in, especially the groups that come in for funerals. We have this group that comes in that cooks for them, that cleans, that helps facilitate those events, and they do an amazing job of giving God's a spirit of hospitality and warmth away. And I think in some ways this is a glimpse, it's a small glimpse of the future of our church, which is what we're talking about this morning. Pouring ourselves and our resources out to others. God using us in creative, incredible ways. Our future at Oak Hills, I believe, is how God is going to use us. We have had an amazing amount of blessing poured into us as a church over the years. I mean, really, if we take a step and just look back, it's amazing. Incredible ways God, the Spirit has guided us and taught us. We've had incredible teaching and incredible teachers and leaders. And we've been on this wild, sometimes painful, but always unique and rich journey. The next chapter of our church, I believe, is about pouring it out, pouring it back more and more of losing ourselves in service, pushing that envelope, 
sharing radically out of an overflowing spirit of abundance. It's what I witnessed at Lord's Land with the students, to be honest. Receiving God's spirit and how amazing he is, and then it just naturally jettisoning out of us. The future is a blank canvas. It truly is. We could go in any direction as a church. Too often we have suffered from thinking too small, and this is a human thing. It's not just no kills thing. We think in old ways, in old wineskins, too often in just old established ways. There's difficulty talking about the possibility of big change, I think. I know when I bring that up, some of you might like, oh, big change, what are we talking about here? And I think sometimes that can often arise from what I like to call generational friction. And let me explain that. Often when we think about older generations passing the keys of their church to the younger generations, and this is a widespread thing, it's not just no kills thing. The American church is getting older, it's not getting younger. And so as the American church gets older, the older generations tend to look around and go, who are we going to pass this to? And then what they see is, for the most part, churches are, and, and us too, to a certain extent, but not so much. Um, I think we're in a good spot. Um, look back and they go, who's going to take this over? There's this diminishing involvement of the younger generations. And there's friction there. There's a big disconnect that can take place there. This is one of the reasons why we're bringing in a a great speaker named Greg Henson, who's the director of the NAB Seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's in there. I think we're going to have a slide that we're going to put up here. uh, We're calling it the Church of Tomorrow. He's going to come on May 10th. So if you want to write that down right now, May 10th, just put that on your calendar because we want everyone there. We want all of all the generations of our church to come. And we want to encourage you all to be a part of this. Um, he's going to come and talk about some of this disconnect that happens when we're moving forward as a church between the generations. And I was sent this last night. This is an article by Dallas Willard that he's actually talking about why this meeting that we're doing is so important. Let me read this for you. And for those who standing in the love of God are concerned about the next generation around them and about their entry into the full vision of the God of love, the call is to make these matters a subject of serious and prolonged discussion and prayer with those who will lead into the future. Talk openly, regularly, honestly, and lovingly. Let me say that again. For our, the generations of our church to talk openly, regularly, honestly, and lovingly. This is the purpose of our meeting on May 10th. So again, I, I just want to encourage you all to be there. And Greg is a is a just an awesome leader and speaker. And Stephanie and I had a chance to hear him speak at an NAB um, get-together a few months ago. And um, one of the per- pictures he used to describe this dynamic was of the older generation passing the keys of the car to the younger generation and saying, you drive wh- wherever you want. I won't even sit in the passenger seat. I will sit in the back seat. But the reality is that the younger generation may not even want the car in the first place. <laughs> and there's the rub. And that is the true challenge that we need to talk about. That is the true challenge that, that not only us as Oak Hills, but all churches need to address. And this is where vision, I think, is so important. Vision for a wide-open future for our church. A vision that can unite us all, the generations together. It's not just the younger generation taking over and running with it. It's us doing it together. Being in the car together, a big old minivan, having fun. I also wonder if we're simply near the beginning. This is a fun thought, but if, what if we're near the beginning of our story as a church and what God will do through us? Often I think we fall into the trap of thinking that the majority of our history at Oak Hills is behind us. But, just for a second, what if? 
What if our, the biggest part of our story is ahead of us? What if we have really haven't seen anything yet? What if we change in really tremendous ways in how we do things as a church, in how we do church? But as I say that, I want to state loud and clear that in all this talk about change and future being wide open, all this talk about our church, um, we will always be Oak Hills Church, period. There is DNA you can't scrub off of you. There's DNA wired into us at Oak Hills that will never change. We are a community that believes in the amazing ability and power of how God changes and uses us when we begin to live in his kingdom. In other words, everything we do is through the lens of spiritual formation. We are a community that values courageous honesty and authenticity. We're a community that rejects the consumerism that is all around us in our culture. We're a community that values living together in fellowship. These are things that will never change about us. Because they're, how, they're from God. That's how God has shaped us. And they will stay with us no matter what we are doing moving forward. In fact, what we do moving forward, all of it flows from who we are in these values and who God has made us. It has to flow from that. On the way home from the Lord's Land, um, Stephanie in her car, she had young adults in there. And they just got on this awesome conversation. Um, one of the young adults who's uh, training to be a pilot... Um, and to work in that industry, he was talking about occupational outreach and dreaming about what does that look like to bring the kingdom into where I'm working with other pilots in the airline industry. Another one is an intern at World Relief, and she was dreaming about how possibly we could connect what World Relief is doing with refugees, with what we're doing here at Oak Hills. And yet another young adult was in the car who was a theater nerd and does a bunch of uh, productions all over town, um, and she was dreaming about how is my involvement in theater, how does it bisect life in the kingdom? How can, they connect, how can I connect these two? They also had a conversation about the future of our church. I wasn't in the car. I'm jealous I wasn't because it sounded awesome. But one of the things they talked about is what if once a quarter, once every few months, we had a group from the church that got together uh, that just, um, let's see, um, the innovative thinking. Uh, Stephanie wanted me to say that. So I got to make sure I got that term right. A process of innovative thinking, couched in prayer and worship, but then asking what's out there. What are the needs out there? And what are our resources as a church? What can we do about that? How can we fill those? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you call this thing free think? I'm there in a hot second. And I think there's a lot of you out there that would love to be a part of something like that. Am I right? Okay. And they talked about what can we do as a church. So I just want to dream here a little bit because I think as we talk about this, you know, this giving campaign is about us paying down our mortgage. It's not just to pay down our mortgage so that we can solidify ourselves as a church. That is not the purpose. It's not just to celebrate our history and our past, although I think our history and our past is awesome. It's not to do that. Um, It's really about what we can do moving forward. That is the point of what we're doing. That is the goal of what we're trying to accomplish in this giving campaign. So let me just dream with you a little bit about things we could do as a church moving forward. Once, uh, you know, this, the point of paying off the mortgage and then having all these new resources that we can use. Some of these are going to sound a little crazy, but if I didn't have a list of things that didn't sound a little crazy, what, what, the list should be burned. We could build a, living, a communal living apartment for the young people of our church. In, yeah, the young people are like, yes. In conjunction with a discipleship training school, a Bible school for them for a year, for the transition as they move out of their homes. 
a place where they could afford rent a little bit cheaper because as they are, well, I want to say stuck in their parents' home, but it's probably the other way around too. The parents are like, as they're stuck in our home, um, it would give them an opportunity for that. Or we build an apartment complex for low-income families in Folsom. Or we mix the two together into an apartment complex. We buy an existing apartment complex. Don't think small people. How about pooling our finances like this church in Vancouver to help people make ends meet? We live in an expensive place and people are struggling and underwater. Who better to help than, our, than our, the people sitting next to us, our family in this church? I recently heard about a church in Houston that built a big grass field and started facilitating pickup soccer games for African refugees in their community. I heard it on, on the radio. Um, and so many people started coming to these pickup soccer games that they were able to start a team that would travel around. And this team, in turn, started this amazing community for the parents of these refugee families, these at-risk youth. And, that, and the families then built this amazing community with the church that was facilitating all this. We can do this. Heck, Greg Rosler is, is for the most part, doing it right now. But we could go up to that upper, upper parking lot up there, put down a field, a grass field. And welcome low-income families, people that can't afford sports. You know how, ex- how stupid expensive sports are these days? Like club soccer and club volleyball and all this. It is off the charts. What if we provided that as a way for us to build a, an awesome and funky community here? We could provide free counseling to those in our community that desperately need it. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? People that need that, people that are struggling with mental illness provide free counseling imagine the, what god could do through that the impact he could do through that we could start small businesses to help employ people and give them unique skills that help them discover the beauty of labor and skill and creativity and working together we have this amazing glorious industrial kitchen have you been in there that thing is awesome right what can we do with that we could take the lead from our Brazilian ministry partners who are expanding their kitchen in Brazil at the, at, at the day center. And with the, the reason they're doing that is to start training people in their community and ultimately create micro-business opportunities. We could do something similar. We could, wild thought here, we could start praying and worshiping in public together and seeing what God does with it. We could start, this is outside the box, we could start a quick reaction disaster relief team for communities hit hard by fires in California. Obviously not going to fight the fires, but once a fire pops up, we got a team that goes up there and meets with people and, and, and um, passes out resources. So what do we want to do? Seriously, <laughs> what do we want to do? Because when I think about this stuff, I get really, really excited. Truly, there is a blank canvas ahead of us. And I think that God is, I really think we're at the beginning of something special here. Bottom line, this giving campaign simply cannot be an insurance policy for the status quo of our church. I'm not interested in that. I'm guessing you're not interested in that either. It is not intended to simply continue as we always have, to cement who we have been. Instead, this has to be about where we're headed. And no one who looks back on our history can accuse us of not taking risks as a church. That's been a part of our DNA as well. Again, some of those risks... They've been painful, but really good, as most are, right? But those, that risk-taking can't just be our past. It has, to be our, it has to be our future. And that's the exciting thing. We don't have all the details for this figured out. We don't know what's beyond there. 
The path in front of us is unknown, and I think that's a, that's a good place to be. That's a great place to be. The unknown path should not scare us or worry us. In fact, the unknown path is where God meets us. It's where he forms us. We know who we are as a church. We do. We have a unique and incredibly strong history behind us. Now is the time for us to trust God more and more and just go for it. In a way, this campaign is about our older generation handing the younger generations the gift of an exciting, wide-open future, of discovering where God is leading this strange, weird, funky, persnickety, inquisitive, thoughtful, intentional, playful, and beautiful family called Oak Hills. Let's pray. Father, um, we we lack creativity. We lack imagination, Lord. So, um, Lord, we need you in this. We need you to meet us in this. And, Lord, this, uh, this giving campaign is exciting. It's exciting because of what's ahead of us, Lord. And we don't know what that is right now. But we know with these increased resources, Lord, that you could take those, what we offer up to you, and do amazing things with them. And use them to have a tremendous impact in our community. And in our lives in the process as well, Lord, and and in the lives of all who step in here. This is what we want, Lord, as a church. So help us get there. Um, Give us, Lord, the, the courage right now, the conviction, the strength. To push into this, Lord, not with fear, um, um, Lord, not with um, frustration, um, but with open hearts, with free hearts, and give us excitement and vision for all that you can do. We love you so much, Lord. We love being a part of this church. We love the opportunity to be able to come here on Sunday mornings as a family and worship you together. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.